Welcome to the Cattle Call Podcast. Today we are back with our quizzing. So before we call Dr. Zin, let me go ahead and call Brooke. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Great, great. Hello, Dr. Zin. Good morning, Pedro good morning. and Brooke. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Great, great. It's good to have you back here. Uh, Brooke, what is the question that we have uh, to Dr. Zin this, uh, this month? So the question we have for you, Dr. Zin, is uh, what are some considerations that should be taken when including molasses in a feedlot diet? This is a, always you have a good question. This is a, this is a, a very good question. First, let's just start off with molasses itself. All right. That um, obviously uh, because of uh, pharmaceuticals and so forth, uh, the, the, we have a lot of competition for molasses now. And so the price of molasses is very high and most feedlots would be limiting the amount of molasses in the diet. So I wanted to start out just by talking a little bit about that, that, that actually we actually need to consider, you know, some very positive aspects of molasses besides the normal uh, consideration, which would be uh, to give some condition to the diet so that it would uh, hold together for a little while, uh, but between the time that the feed is made and delivered into the feed bunk. But, uh, in addition to that consideration, uh, we need to remember that that high energy finishing diets have almost no potassium. I mean, this the grain is zero potassium basically, and what limited amount of forage depending on forage quality. So uh, when we add molasses to the diet, we're supplying a very good source of potassium, and and so we need to, that. If you don't do that, you're going to have to add that potassium, and potassium is very expensive. So this is uh, this is an important consideration for nutritionists. Uh, why we want to have at least some molasses in the diet, in addition to you know the normal consideration of conditioning. Now, another. But another aspect of molasses, and right now this isn't an issue, but actually um, when levels of, of molasses go up in the diet, animal performance goes down. So uh, there is an optimal level of molasses in the diet. And then after that, we need to be very, we would have to have a real good reason for adding it. And And so what's that level? Well, I tell people that you should never feed more than 8% on a dry basis, but to be safe, probably not more than 6% on a dry matter basis. And, and really, as we increase the level of molasses above that, the energy value of the molasses doesn't diminish, but feed intake does. And so uh, energy intake goes down dramatically. So uh, in research we've done uh, here in California, it indicates that as you go above about 6% molasses in the diet, then average daily gain will decrease about 1.7% for every percentage unit increase above 6% on a dry matter basis. So we, there's an upper limit, upper constraint on how much molasses can be fed without affecting animal performance. And so we have we need to also consider, you know, that aspect. Now, in regard to adding molasses to the diet, um, 
This is important. Uh, another very important consideration. What uh, a lot of feedlots, what they'll do if they have a mixer truck. In other words, if the feed is being put into a mixer truck, then it's not unusual for the molasses to be at a different location so that they would you know, add the basic ingredients and then they would go over and uh, drive underneath uh, where the molasses is being introduced and add that to the diet at that point. And that can cause some problems. Um, when you add molasses as the very last step in feed mixing, uh, what it can do is it can you can start to form, depending on the dustiness of the diet, it can form some molasses balls. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so this is uh, what happens when these when you get these molasses balls, you get some entrainment. And uh, and so you may have some micro ingredients or whatever that get combined with that. And so it uh, this can be a negative aspect. What. Uh, the, the big the big consideration with molasses addition is of course you want to you're adding it to to add some condition to the diet besides whatever nutrient component you're considering but when we add molasses uh, we need to consider be very aware of the possibility that it can cause sequestering of the minor ingredients so what I recommend uh, is that you, you add first the, the the grain and the and the protein supplement or whatever your your uh, trace mineral package. You add all those things, allow that to mix a minute, and then and then add the molasses on top of that. And and if we do that, then our the possibility for uh, for entrainment goes way down, and we have really a good mix now. A lot of feedlots that can't do that because they're using mixer trucks, and so they have to. They're adding all these ingredients, and then they're then they're spraying the molasses on top of the mix. Um, when they have that kind of a consideration, and and really most feedlots, and like in the Southwest, would do this anyway. The molasses would be diluted, so that um, actually it's it's a lot more. It's a lot has a lot higher water content, so it'd be about seventy percent dry matter instead of seventy five or whatever that you would normally have for a higher bricks, uh, 80 bricks, let's say conventional black strap molasses. So the, so that would, and by doing that, by then spraying that onto the mix, uh, you you can have less of a problem, but in very cold areas where you have cold climates, that would still be a problem because uh, the viscosity of molasses is so high. So you'd, you know, what you can do, though, is you can uh, put heating coils around the, the molasses delivery and that can and remo reduce some of that uh, viscosity. For, for us, even here uh, in the desert, uh, during the wintertime, the molasses can be very viscous. And so we run into more problems with mixing during the cold, cold time of the year. But if you can get the temperature of that molasses up to, let's say, around 27 degrees or something, then the viscosity goes way down. It cuts that viscosity like in half. And so, you know, you're able to, to spray that onto the feed. But if you're adding it, like I say, if you're adding it as the last step, step in the mixing, then you definitely need to dilute that down with some water. I see. That's that's interesting. 
Uh, Dr. Zin, the only the only question that, that it's really good. I was taking notes here, and one one question that I have uh, is there any difference? And and that's probably going to affect where you're finishing your talk now. Is there any difference uh, between or among the source of the molasses, if it's from like beet pulp or uh, soybean or, or other? Well, there's really there's there's three. Uh, as far as what you would call conventional type molasses, uh, there's just there's three types. You know, there's the beet molasses, there's the cane molasses, and then there's the citrus molasses. All right, those are the three types, and uh, citrus would be the lowest as far as its value, um, and then uh, but the highest value would be with the beet molasses. And the reason I say that is because beet molasses could have like let's say seven or eight percent potassium, where cane molasses might be around three and a half or maybe up to four percent potassium. So uh, beet molasses, but but a lot of times the beet molasses is taken up by the dairy industry, so you don't see so much of it showing up in the feedlot side. Mm -hmm. That's that's good. Yeah, that's that's my the question that I have. Any, any I had the other questions was in regards to the mix, and yeah, I think you already answered those. Uh, do you have any question, Brooke? No, my question was the same as one as yours, so I'm covered. Yeah, to, about about the mixing, uh, but that's that's great. I'm glad <laughs> that you mix. Uh, one, for example, you just because I'm thinking about this right now, you mentioned uh, that if if the temperature is, is less and then you suggest adding water to the molasses. Is, is that correct, Dr. Z? Yes. Most yeah. most people would add would add water anyway. All right. So in other words, uh we don't. The molasses yeah. that we buy at the research at the University of California is high bricks molasses. So we that's we do that on purpose, all right. But uh but oftentimes uh, most feedlots would buy it diluted. In fact, it might be diluted with distiller solubles. It might there. It could be. There's all kinds of things they use to dilute it with, you know. But uh, but it would come diluted, and that would uh, make it easier to mix anyway. If they don't, if you're at a feedlot, like let's say in Brazil, uh, uh -huh. where you're from, the uh, that would be high bricks, but they would dilute it at the feedlot. All right. So it would, you know, but generally speaking, it will be diluted. If it's not diluted, then you have to be very careful how you're adding that to the mix. And I would highly recommend adding it after you've allowed the concentrate parts to mix a little bit, then add the molasses. Okay. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that uh, and, and maybe like a diet where the forage source is a wet forage or like wetter, I would say, like silage and it, if still having to dilute or something like that. Uh, but that's great. I'm uh, Yeah. I'm <laughs> so thank you very much, Dr. Zin. I appreciate it. Uh, any, any final comments, any final questions to both of you? I'll, I'll just say, you know, I'm just, this is just an anecdote. All right. To add to the molasses thing, but the viscosity of molasses is so high. One time, it was uh, around Christmas time and and nobody was at the feedlot. And so I the truck came to deliver molasses. And so, you know, I uh, and I was out in the lab doing uh, VFA analysis at, at the barn lab. And and so when the truck was delivering it, then then I climbed up on top of the uh, 
the molasses tank to look down to see, you know, how high it was coming as it was being pumped in. And when I did, I had my, because it was Christmas, I had my checkbook in my pocket. I was getting ready to go do some shopping. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it fell down into the molasses tank. And, and so when he finished pumping the molasses in, when I went back up to see if it, how, you know, close we were to the top, my checkbook was still was right on top of the molasses and it, and it wasn't even dirty. I mean, there, it wasn't even sticky. It just, that's, that's how viscous that material is. And you can imagine then how difficult it is to get that to mix well with the diet. But that, that was a real surprise to me. I just, this stuff is this, of course, this is high bricks. This is 80% bricks molasses uh-huh. well, or 80, 80 degrees bricks. I should say. That's yeah. That's a good, great example. <laughs> and then we we remember that always. <laughs> that's good. So thank you very much, Dr. Zin. Thank you, Brooke. Uh, thank you for the, the everyone who is listening to us. If you want to receive the transcript of this episode, uh, uh, transcribe, uh, subscribe to our newsletter uh, in the link below. If you want to send a, a question to Dr. Zin, please send a question to kettlecallucd at gmail.com. We'll be happy to answer. Uh, if you have other questions, comments, also please feel free to, to uh, send it to us. Thank you very much. And remember, it's always a good time for a get a call. Whispers are a jingling, a cowboy is singing this lonesome cattle call.